The Start. On Demand. On demand. Mackling and McGarry. McNabb is off today. Yes, I'm back after a little, shall we say, forced vacation. And as it turns out, I'm now working while on vacation. So I'm going to explain all that in a couple of moments. But hey, we have something kind of big to discuss. Turnover ends it. Second and 18 for Jeremiah Mazzoli. What has he got left up his sleeve? Pick. To the sideline, almost pick up. Pick it's over. It is. It's over. It's over. Winnipeg wins it again. Back to back for the Bombers in a CFL overtime classic. Kyrie Wilson picks it off after a couple of bounces. And you'll never see that again. Bombers! Grey Cup! Football! Greg Mackling's in Hamilton. How you doing? Woo! (laughs) (laughs) I couldn't really cheer based on my job last night. It was nerve-wracking. It was nail-biting. It was absolutely unbelievable how things all went down last night. And that final play really sort of summed it up, Brett three touches in order to actually lock down the interception that would clinch the Blue Bombers' second consecutive Grey Cup. And, you know, so fortunate to be on the field with the team and in the locker room afterwards. And, oh, my gosh, the guys were so emotional last night. They had faced so much adversity, obviously, in the Western Final. And then again, last night, things didn't exactly go as planned for the Blue Bombers, but they were able to overcome the mistakes they'd make, the lack of production on offense. It was uh, really a a gutsy performance by by this veteran team, the team that had dominated this league all season long. Yeah, it felt like in the fourth quarter, I even said, because I got together with a couple of friends, and I said, it feels like the Winnipeg Blue Bombers finally woke up in that fourth quarter because in that first half, the penalties they took, I don't know how many they took, but it just, it felt like penalty after penalty. And then we had interceptions that, you know, I think a a lesser player might have become gun-shy you know, fearful to, to throw the ball into the other opposing team. But Calaris sort of battened down the hatches and the Bombers pulled it together. And wow, what a nail-biting, <laughs> uh, stressful football game. But so exciting in the end. Yeah, no question about it. The wind ended up becoming a huge factor in the game last night. On Saturday, Brett, we had wind gusts over 100 kilometers per hour here in Hamilton. Whoa! And in, Yeah, it was a nasty storm. There are still people without power, as I understand it, as I peruse the, uh, the Hamilton news this morning. But uh, listen... Um, what the Blue Bombers did last night. Do you remember throughout the season, the Blue Bomber place kicking game was struggling mightily as I'm struggling mightily to get these words out. And fans and clearly the team alike were concerned about not having a dependable place kicker. And what did the Blue Bombers do in 2019 when it looked like they needed a quarterback? They went out and at the last minute on trade deadline day, they got Zach Caleros. And then late in the season this year, they signed one of the only kickers. I think he was the only kicker who had a better field goal percentage in 2019 
than Winnipeg's Justin Medlock, Sergio Castillo, and Castillo came through in the clutch several times last night, including that uh, go-ahead field goal uh, that gave the Blue Bombers uh, the chance to go into overtime. It was absolutely unbelievable, and it just shows once again that uh, the Blue Bombers and their management go out they they understand their weaknesses they went out they filled that weakness and and it was the difference in the game potentially last night so we have lots to discuss this morning on the great cup you'll hear a milroy montage at 7:45 on the post game which of course included bob irving's final post-game show as the voice of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Skyler Peters was up late putting together his thoughts and reflections. We'll hear that at 9.06. And as we heard in Jeff Brun's newscast, Christian O'Mell took a little trip down to Portage in Maine, so we'll share some of that in our next segment. But we do need to mention here, um, so last week I wasn't here because I was sick twice in over 17 years at CJOB, had I called in sick prior to last week. Once was in, I want to say, 2009. I had strep throat, so I had to call in sick because I was physically unable to do my job because I think I probably sounded kind of like this. <laughs> um, and the second time, I think, it was like 2015, 2016. I was up all night, had some stomach issues. I remember sitting on my couch watching Murdoch Mysteries reruns. Uh, and my alarm clock went off and I hadn't gotten any sleep and I thought, yeah, this isn't happening. I'm just, I'm calling in sick. So that's it twice. But then of course, Tuesday morning of all the mornings mm-hmm. for this to happen, knowing that Greg's working at home because he's going to the airport to fly to Hamilton, Brett wakes up with a sore throat. Cause you heard last, I mean, and you can still hear it in my voice, but last week, I had the croaky voice on Monday. Hal referenced that I sounded like B. Arthur. That, I guess, was the onset of, of a cold because I felt nothing other than just that croaky voice, which I thought was just from a busy weekend of full of chicanery and yelling and screaming. And then Tuesday morning, I wake up and I cough, and not to be gross here, but some rather unpleasant stuff, decided to come out and say hello, and I thought, I got I to gotta go get a COVID test. I can't go to work. And uh, needless to say, the tailspin began, I guess, for you and Loren. Sorry about that, Greg. That's all right. It was a little bit of a scramble. But uh, listen, uh, the, the, the show must go on. And uh, we managed and we got through it. And we're just glad that you're able to join us today because our co-host and friend, Loren McNabb, can't, can't talk. She has no voice. She's she has got- laryngitis. <laughs> Yeah, so I got a text from her yesterday saying, Brett, can you go to work? I know you're on vacation this week, but uh, uh, I, I can't talk. I'm like, yeah, of course. And she says, I'm, I'm so sorry. I'm like, Loren, I'm so bored. So I'm more than happy to come <laughs> I am more than happy to come in to work. I will I say uh, my COVID test, first COVID test I ever had uh, that I've had, came back negative. Came And within, tw- I got the, the results at 3.06 a.m. the next day. Um, the lady who did my test at the Nairn site was so nice, so kind. She says, okay, so I'm going to put this in your nose, and I'm going to twist it four times, and ten seconds later it'll be done. Are you ready? Yep. Okay, here we go. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. There, all done. I was so calm that my eyes didn't even water. She said, your eyes will water. 
but she was Whoa. so nice. So wonderful. Yeah. So I was very thankful for that. It wasn't pleasant, but it wasn't as bad as I thought it would be. So all right. Mackling and McGarry, McNabb is off today. Greg Mackling, what Winnipeg celebration is complete without a party at Portage in Maine? I'm not exactly sure. Um, certainly not what happened last night. CGOB Sports Show host Christian O'Mel checked it out and spoke to some fans. So what does your sign say? What it for Bob. And uh, so what do you think of the game there? Oh, a little bit closer than I thought it would be. But a pretty good ending, though. Did you think they were uh, going to pull it off? Uh, I knew we had the win. We had a chance. The wind, the wind was a big factor. And how does it feel to be down here at Portage of Maine celebrating? Oh, this is awesome. The weather's great. Second cup in a row. Bring on the third cup. You know what, man? It was a close game, and I appreciated it. And it was so close and so exciting. And I'm sitting at Portage of Maine now after the fact that the Bombers kicked a little bit of butt. Awesome game. You know what? Going to the fourth, I never had doubts. Down by 12 points, you never doubt the Bombers, their defense, their team spirit, the whole team in general. Never a doubt, came out on top like I knew we would. Were you worried? No, not at all. It was an epic comeback. I knew we had it all game long. We just had to break through, but we did it, and it was unbelievable, unbelievable to watch. It was a little nerve-wracking, I'll admit. It was a little nerve-wracking. Was this the best Bomber season of your life? You know what? It's definitely up there. I'd say two years ago, because I'm 40 years old, I waited a long time to party for that Grey Cup. It was almost 30 years, so you know what, this one is just as sweet as the last one, but the best one is the next one. The last one was so much more because we waited so long. That's true. You know, I'm, I was near tears, like we waited so long. You know, I was getting up in age, I didn't know if I'd ever see them win again. But then you win it two years in a row. Yeah, now we're just getting spoiled. So you're going to want to win now every year? Yes, you bet. You got that right. <laughs> I've already modified the towel. Defended. It says defended the cup. Nice. So what's the towel going to look like next year? Uh, again the yes, cup. yes, good. Yeah. And again. Uh, Dynasty three. What we went through the last two years, how does it feel to gather and celebrate like this? Oh, even better to be able to do this here after what's been going on. I think I think Winnipeg uh, needed this. You know, we've we, we just get to celebrate. This is fun. <laughs> Christmas came early. Feels good, baby. Back to back, baby. <laughs> ah, that gives me joy. That's a perfect way to put it, Brett. Absolutely does. So coming up at, once again, at 7.45, we're going to hear the Milroy montage on the post-game stuff, including some of Bob Irving's final words as the voice of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. And is Bob going to join us today? It's Monday, 8.37. I have no idea, Brett McGarry. I'd like to tell you one way or the other, for sure or for not. I, I just don't know. Mackling and McGarry, McNabb is now off today. I'm back uh, after being felled by a cold last week. I was mostly more annoyed than anything. As I mentioned earlier, twice in 17 years that I called in sick, and now thrice have I had to call in sick, and I was just more irritated than anything. G Mac, and now Gre- and now Loren is out with uh, laryngitis. I'm not even supposed to. Well, I'm like Dante from Clerks, the movie Clerks. I'm not even supposed yeah. to be here today. 
That's right. I had scheduled vacation this week, and uh, now Loren's uh, off with laryngitis. So get well, uh, Loren. That, I got to rewatch that movie. I, I think there's a lot of uh, pop culture references that I'm missing out on because uh, I was probably either half asleep or or half something else when I watched Clerks the first time. <laughs> okay, we'll, we'll just leave it there. Uh, so in our next segment, we're going to tell you how you can win yourself a car pass for Canadian's Winter Wonderland. Land, so stand by for those details. But right now we want to discuss, we want to put the Grey Cup aside, lots to celebrate this morning, but as Jeff Braun and Will Reimer have been telling you in Global News, uh, Winnipeg ICU doctor says critical care services are failing as the health system buckles under the weight of COVID-19. This comes in an open letter to the government obtained by Global News, where Dr. Dan Roberts, who is a physician at HSC, says that officials are not taking accountability Roberts outlines a number of steps to escape what he calls preventable deaths, beginning with the need to strictly enforce public health orders. And one of those steps, rapid COVID testing, must be made widely available to schools and businesses, as in most other provinces. So we're going to have more on the letter throughout the day, and you can read more at uh, cjob.com. But Greg, you've been in Hamilton since last Tuesday, where health and safety um, I'm sure it was paramount to ensure that COVID-19 did not make a mark on the Grey Cup proceedings. So what sort of testing did you have to go through? We had a rapid test every single day, either at Tim Hortons Field or at the convention center where a lot of the events were held. Uh, there was absolutely no getting around it. You had to have that rapid test in order, A, to be around one another and uh, B, to get anywhere close to the players. Uh, when I first arrived at the convention center in Hamilton on Tuesday, you had to sign a form as you did in every restaurant. They took your name and your phone number for contract uh, contact tracing purposes. I was never not asked for my uh, validation of vaccine. And yeah, these rapid tests yesterday, Brett, there were hundreds of workers at Tim Hortons Field and every one of them received a rapid test. It was absolutely simple. It wasn't pain less, but it certainly wasn't, you know, as bad as the, the PCR test. It was a nose swab, uh, but it, it wasn't administered uh, as deeply as uh, the test that you had the other day, but it was it was deep enough. And, you know, you just felt a little bit more comfortable knowing, A, that, you know, you were doing everything you could. I understand that the, the test coming back negative doesn't guarantee you don't have COVID-19. But when you have five rapid tests day after day after day and they all come back negative, A, you feel pretty comfortable with your own health status. And you also, at the same time, feel comfortable with the health status of those that you're with and working around and there's no way the the CFL would have allowed us anywhere near these players if if they hadn't had the availability and the the willingness to do these rapid tests and then on top of that masks were mandatory everywhere and we were never able to until last night on the field get anywhere more than eight or nine feet from the players so uh you know the vaccine we know isn't a panacea in conjunction with some of these other things. There are, there is the ability to make everyone feel a little bit more knowledgeable about their actual status and those around them. And, and I think uh, rapid testing 
for as simple as it is, Brett, doesn't take very long at all. I think it's a viable option in a lot of scenarios here. How rapid is it in terms of getting the result? The I would say we had two different ones. The first four days we had one type, and it took about four to six minutes. They say fifteen, oh. but it never ever it never ever took fifteen minutes. And then the test we had yesterday, I think I think took all of about uh, five minutes to get a result. To get a result, yeah. Oh wow. Okay. Yeah. So then that is there no is there a situation where a rapid test would then prompt further testing? You mentioned the the full PCR. Like, so prompt that kind of a test and then self-isolation? Yeah, I don't know, Brett, but okay. uh, I imagine, you know, uh, you know, you're sitting there the entire time and, you know, you know, you feel well and, and you don't have any of the symptoms, but they're still in the back of your head, right? You're waiting for that result because how many people are COVID-19 positive that are asymptomatic? So you sit there, it's much like a, a pregnancy test. If you've ever been through that process, and you're waiting for that single line to show up, and then the test is negative, and and away you go. I don't know what would happen if if you came up positive. Uh, fortunately, nobody in my group and nobody around me uh, was in that, so I didn't witness anything like that. And certainly, personally, I didn't experience it. So I know you got to go do a TV hit with Global News Morning in a second here, but just very quickly on this, doctors, uh, the letter from the doctors where they're calling for rapid COVID testing, and it should be made widely available to schools and businesses, as in most other provinces. Is a time that uh, Manitoba sort of follows what other provinces are doing across this country? For 18, 19 months, testing was supposed to be a big part of our strategy to quote-unquote live with this virus. Absolutely, in my opinion, and my experience this week really backs that up, Brett. Last night's Grey Cup was a nail-biter. You heard a couple of people that Christian O'Mell was speaking to refer to it as that. And that got me thinking about the other kind of nail-biter situations that we've been in. So we need you at 204-780-6868 to tell us about a time where you were in a real nail-biting situation and you wondered, am I going to make it here? Like, for example, I'll start us off. I was in Houston in 2001, or Planet Houston, as uh, General Zod in Superman 2 would say. But I was in Houston for WrestleMania X7. I won a contest from our friends down the hall at Power 97. And we had floor seats at the Astrodome for WrestleMania. And the next morning, so the Monday morning, to when it came time to get up and go get our flight... The wake-up call comes in, and I pick up the phone, and I just put it back down and then went back to sleep for another hour, and we missed our initial shuttle. So we got up, scrambled to catch our shuttle, and we got to the lobby in what was like, it felt like the world's longest hotel, like the, the main floor. I don't know how long it was, but I forgot our boarding passes for the shuttle, so I had to run back. What felt like two miles to my room, I'm sure it was only 500 yards or whatever, but it was a long way, and barely made it back to the shuttle. We get on the highway, or the freeway, and we're stuck in gridlock because apparently there was like a toxic waste dump on the, <laughs> on the, the freeway way up ahead. 
So we're like, our flight is in 60 minutes at this point. We finally get to the airport. Houston Airport is huge, and our flight was in the final terminal that they dropped us off. So they, what they do is they, they pull into one terminal, they drop everybody off, and then they loop around and go to the second terminal, and then the third one. And finally, we got out. And my buddy, it was too late for him to check his bag, so they just sent it down this chute. We're running down what was, again, it was this curved sort of um, corridor to the gate, and we couldn't see the gate. We're just like, when is this corridor going to end? I mean, how far can it bend? We finally made it to the plane, like, at the nick of time, got in our seats. I fell asleep immediately and woke up in Minneapolis. So there's my story. Cam, what's yours? Well, a toxic waste spill. I mean, it's like Robo. It was like RoboCop on that bridge there, eh? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> uh, well, I'm gonna go to when I was at Disney World, and I and I got fast passes while I was in line at the Jungle Cruise, uh, and so uh, for the uh, uh, the Pirates of the Caribbean ride. So while I'm in line, and it was one of those situations where you walk in and you're like, "Oh, 45 minutes, we can, we can, we can manage that. That's not too bad." And then when you're in line, all of a sudden it goes to like two hours. You're like, "Ah, it's never going to take that long." But then, of course, it does. So I was staring at these fast passes, and I had, I only had, you only have like an hour amount of time where you can, you know, go through the the fast line instead of standing in the long line that that takes forever. And so I got it while I was in the Jungle Cruise on the Wi-Fi. So I I almost couldn't even enjoy the ride <laughs> because I was so focused on I got to get this thing done. I got to get in there between between this set amount of time, or I'm gonna waste the fast pass, and we're gonna have to stand in the long line at the Pirates of the Caribbean. So I was just basically like, all right, and, and like it's sort of the the spiel of the guy riding. Uh, running the jungle ride. He's, he makes all these jokes and these wisecracks and stuff like that. And I was like, dude, shut up and just drive this damn thing and let's get out of here so that I can get on the Pirates of the Caribbean fast pass. Uh, and so I just made it in the nick of time. I was like 30 seconds left. And I was hoofing it. I Get those legs up. Let's go. And I'm dragging my wife along with me. But we made it. Uh, and I got into that fast pass. Dang it. Uh, jungle cruise be damned. So... That was a uh, that was a, that was a real nail biter. <laughs> Just watching the clock tick. Come on. Uh, speaking of the clock, we've got our Jets report with Kelly coming up in just over two minutes. But Jeff Braun, what about you? Well, for me, I don't have one single incident as dramatic as either of you guys. Instead, I have, uh, you know, 10 of them a day with the, the clock never stops moving here at the radio station. And I got a newscast every half hour. So that's a hard deadline that you can't miss. And more times than I care to count, I've had to, I'm just like barely getting into the news booth right when uh, Forte is about to play the introduction music and that sort of thing. And that just happens to me all the time. I don't know why I let it because, you you know, fine tuning things and trying to get the latest news as, as tight as you possibly can to the top of it or the bottom of the hour. And it just it, it just uh, it's turned my hair gray over the years. I, I don't know why <laughs> I put myself through that so badly, but I do. And uh, it, but to the in the rest of my life, uh, I guess it's that attention to the clock that just keeps me showing up early to places. Like if I'm meeting friends at a restaurant, I'm always the first one there or the first one at the movies and that type of thing. And I think it's just the years in radio have just punished me like that. Just <laughs> drill that into my head. <laughs> and just to take everybody behind the curtain, what Jeff has had to uh, learn how or the way Jeff's had to adapt over the last year and a half is just incredible. So I salute you, Mr. Braun, for what you're doing working at home. And uh, Forte, what about you? I was just thinking about uh, Braun saying, saying that and uh, me going, 
Hey, uh, we got news coming up. You know, obviously, in the old building, you'd hear somebody running down the hall. <laughs> but my, my nail biter was actually my first day working here at CJOB, uh, back at the old building, and uh, I forgot my key card. Nothing better than that. Uh, remember, reception was closed because I started at 6 p.m., so there was no reception, and I could not get into the building, and we had this uh, intercom system that you would dial up to the control room and nobody's answering the phone. So now I'm panicking and I'm going, well, like this is my first shift and I'm going to be late. I don't have my key. What do I do? So anyways, the intercom system actually phoned to Power 97 and uh, 991 <laughs> as well. So I'm dialing them and finally uh, Lindsay from 991 uh, picked up and I was like, hey, can you all let me into the building? I'm kind of locked out. So I'm brand new here. She's like, yeah, no problem. <laughs> oh, the sweats, the sweats were coming down my head. It was... It was close. It was a close call. Mackling and McGarry McNabb is off today. In a year where people have said the CFL isn't exciting anymore. Add a fourth down. Why? Did you watch this game tonight? Are you kidding me? It doesn't get any better than what we just witnessed in the Grey Cup. Indeed, and our question of the day at cjob.com. For Mr. Furnace, don't call them first. You'll see why. Call Mr. Furnace at 204-832-6243. Which type of Grey Cup party do you prefer? 89% said quiet night in. 11% said rowdy night out. You can still cast your vote on that at cjob.com, and we'll get a new one up for you soon with Mackling and McGarry. Now, last week, we introduced you to a couple of Winnipeggers with a bold... Mission, throw a traditional wedding on Saturday, ceremony, reception, complete with dancing and the usual trappings. Could we call it a blue, gold and white mission? Then get on a plane the next morning and get themselves to Hamilton, Ontario in time for kickoff at Tim Hortons Field. Our new friends Shannon and Ken did exactly that. Good morning, Ken. Good morning. How you doing? I'm doing awesome. <laughs> All right, doesn't even cover it, man. Good morning, Shannon. Good morning. So congratulations on successfully completing two very critical parts of your three-part adventure. The third part is this, Shannon. Where are you as we speak? Uh, right now we're in line to uh, get through security at the Toronto airport to come back to Winnipeg. <laughs> What an absolute whirlwind. I have to ask you, I obviously, uh, our listeners don't know, but I met you yesterday, came and found you in your seats. It was great to see you and, and what an absolutely incredible 24, 48 hours you have had. Why are you coming home today? I mean, Niagara Falls is just down the road. Uh, you know, all our, our whole family is here with us, including our daughter, and she needs to go back to school at some point. So we are just going to get home and see the rest of our honeymoon from there. So, so, Ken, tell us about the wedding and uh, your day on Saturday. Oh, I mean, it was a jam-packed, filled day. You have to get up at 7, get ready, have a photographer at your house while, uh, while trying to get ready, and then you go do pictures, first look, get married at around 2, dinner at 5, and then party until about 2 in the morning. So head home, get packed for the Grey Cup, and you're on the flight the next morning at 7 a.m. Oh, man. How much sleep did you get, Ken? In the last, I've, I had the mo- I had more sleep I did la- last night than I did the previous two days. So, <laughs> so yesterday, Shannon, tell us about the trip to Hamilton, and my gosh, 
the uh, the thrilling ending, the thrilling game that was the Grey Cup 2021? It was pretty wild. Yeah, we woke up. Um, we had our alarm set for 4 o'clock, um, and we had just kind of settled into bed at about 3 o'clock after the wedding. And uh, we headed to the airport. We, um, you know, jumped on a plane, headed straight to Toronto, drove straight to Hamilton and started joining in on all the festivities and the parties that were going on there. Um, and, yeah, the game was just absolutely crazy. We um, were a little stressed throughout the whole thing, especially the last seven seconds of the game, but it was absolutely incredible. Ken, was it worth it? Oh, it was so worth it. I'm glad that I wasn't the only one that got a ring. <laughs> what about you, Shannon? Was it all worth it? It was worth it. I'm sure I'll be even more excited once I get a little bit of sleep when we get home. But as of right now, it was definitely worth it. Can you sleep on the airplane, Shannon? Not everybody has the uh, capability of doing that. I can't, unfortunately, no. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Well, listen, uh, it takes a lot of commitment to make a marriage work. You guys are clearly committed Blue Bomber fans, committed to one another. It was wonderful to meet you yesterday. What a fantastic story, and we really appreciate you making a little bit of time for us as you make your way through security at Pearson this morning. Safe travels, and, and let's stay in touch. Thank you so much. Shannon and Ken joining us live on 680 CJOB from Pearson Airport. They get married on Saturday, full day in Winnipeg, and then they got a flight at 7 a.m. on Sunday morning to get to Hamilton. And as you mentioned, they're they're in they're in Pearson, so you got to fly to Toronto first and then Hamilton, right, GMAC? No, they drove. They drove to Toronto. The, oh, getting pardon the flights me. out of Hamilton is a pain in the neck. So, most people are uh, making the the trip up the QEW to to get on the the plane. That's what I've got to do this afternoon. So. Oh, okay, all right. So you you, you, yes, you uh, did you did you rent a car or did you you, you rent a clown hired, car? Hired a, a hired ground transportation. Ah, yes. That sounds so. What what kind of ground transportation was it? Like a like a. Well, like a bus, mm-hmm. um, like Otto from The Simpsons. A uh, smaller, uh, uh, smaller than a school bus. <laughs> okay, <laughs> bigger than a compact car. <laughs> when we uh, when we got off the plane in Toronto, we were expecting to have several options, and it turned into one option. It was a rather large, black, luxury vehicle that brought us from Toronto to Hamilton. But don't tell. Higher up. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it was a taxi cab, Brett. We took a taxi. (laughs) Turnover ends it. Second and 18 for Jeremiah Mazzoli. What has he got left up his sleeve? On the sideline, almost picked off. It's over. That's how the game ended with the Winnipeg Blue Bombers defeating the Hamilton Tiger Cats 33-25 in overtime to win the 2021 Grey Cup. But that's not where last night's story ended, Greg. 
No, last night, and that was the voice of Dustin Nielsen. He did a tremendous job of the play-by-play last night, but we all know who the top play-by-play person of all time is. They showed his picture on the scoreboard at Tim Hortons Field yesterday, and amid the post-game celebrations, our very own coverage was anchored for the final time by the aforementioned Bob Irving. Producer Kyle Milroy has put together for you a Milroy montage of the post-game festivities. Well, hello, everybody. This is Bob Irving in Hamilton, trying to catch my breath, I think, like just about everybody else after this incredible, incredible Grey Cup game and this fantastic comeback victory by the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Back-to-back, man. You guys ran it back. It was a long year and a lot of uncertainty, but how does it feel right now, man? Uh, it's a great feeling. I mean, this group's special. Uh, we faced a lot of adversity. Uh, this is a resilient group. We fought and fought. Man, it, it was special. I still don't know how we did it, but we did it. I was happy to be great cup champs again. We, we, we said it in the locker room. We're going to win. We're going to come back, and we're going to win. And, and that's what this team has done. Like, it's not uncharacteristic for us to come back and win. People looking at the game and thinking, oh, we did what we do. We, we don't quit, and that's, that's what I love about this team. It's just sweet. Both of them are sweet, but I still haven't fully taken this one in. I'm sure I'll get there soon. I was crying up on stage, but, you know, it just feels amazing. I had knots in my stomach for the last two days, and it just amplified into the fourth quarter. When I spoke to you on the field in Calgary in 2019, it was your first championship since grade eight or something like that now you're back-to-back champion it doesn't make sense no i don't at all man but we put in that work for it we did we put in that work for all season long even during the pandemic in 2020 all our guys were back at home really working hard working out didn't know we were going to come back together and when we did we put it all on the line from the beginning of the year this team was rolling just to be able to have a chance and for the you know kyle osh and to trust me to bring me in you know, i couldn't be any more happy than that. Uh, what's going on there, Christian? Well, Bob, what do you think's going on here? People having a good time is what's going on. Someone had a sign that said, we want it for Bob. So there you go. You're represented down here. Pretty dramatic, but you know what? It sure feels sweet. We want the pressure on us on defense every time. We want to put it on our back. And, uh, you know, that's what that's what we went out and did. And obviously you saw the results. What can you say about the job Coach O'Shea's done to make sure this team never lost their composure, back-to-back Grey Cup champs after a win last year and then a dominant regular season? Yeah, you know, uh, he's special and uh, everybody knows that. Um, And he'll do anything for his players and and they play for him. Three in a row in 2022? We'll worry about that tomorrow. Oh, what a great game for the fans. I mean, the first quarter was, uh, you know, everybody trying to get used to the wind, but it came alive. Uh, you know, it had everything a fan would want. They drive down to tie it up at the at the end, and then we go into overtime, which is awesome, right? And then what a great drive we put together in a two-point convert. So then our defense went out there and took control, but it was awesome. You seem you seem as emotional as ever right now, Willie. I'm I'm just happy, man. It's 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 it's, it's tears of joy. You know what I'm saying? Completing the completing the goal. And just being able to show show the whole world, man, especially my city and my mom and my and my grandmother there, you know, all this hard work is, you know, it came to an end for, for good. Winnipeg's waiting for you. Your family's waiting for you. Congratulations, Willie. Yeah, man, come on down to Winnipeg. One more caller before we break. Kyle, you're on the post-game show. Go ahead. 
Long-time listener, first-time caller. Um, I've always wanted to call into the post-game show, and uh, finally I am. Um, Dad, on behalf of me and the entire family, uh, your grandkids and um, everyone in our clan, we want to thank you so much for everything you've given to us and to this community, to the CFL, to Winnipeg, to Manitoba, and most of all to the Bombers. Um, it's been an absolute pleasure being part of your life in this role as the voice of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, and I can't wait to enjoy what comes next with you. Thank you, my man. Number one son, Kyle. Kyle Irving calling the post-game show. Long-time listener, first-time caller. Thank you, <laughs> what Kyle. What an amazing it's, call. And it's a pleasure for me to thank you and for me to say the Winnipeg Blue Bombers have won the Grey Cup for the second year in a row, 33-25 in overtime against the Hamilton Tiger Cats. And I say thanks for joining us on the post-game show. Good night from Hamilton. Wow. <laughs> you okay, G-Mac? No. <laughs> you know, you're in the middle of it <clears throat> all week and got to know the players a little bit better this week. And like I mentioned just before we came into that, <clears throat> I've got to know Kyle Irving over the last few years and, and, and Bob and Day. And they've just been so wonderful to me over the last two Grey Cups. And then to hear everything all put together like that, you're standing with Willie Jefferson and the tears in his eyes and you can hear the emotion in his voice. And you're in the middle of it. And you're trying to do a job and... You know, you grow up a fan of this team and, and you've you've got a job to do and, and, and you try and do it a certain way. And just to hear it all put together like that is, uh, well, and on two and a half hours sleep, I guess the emotions are getting the best of me right now. Mackling and McGarry McNabb is off today. She's not feeling well. It's now her turn. I was out last week. She's out today. We'll see how long she'll be out for. Question of the day at cjob.com for Mr. Furnace. Don't call them first. You'll see why. Call Mr. Furnace at 204-832-6243. Do you plan to attend any possible formal Grey Cup celebrations? Yes, maybe, or no? Cast your vote at cjob.com. We'll put that up on Twitter as well. At 680-CJOB. In a year where people have said the CFL isn't exciting anymore. Add a fourth down. Why? Did you watch this game tonight? Are you kidding me? It doesn't get any better than what we just witnessed in the Grey Cup. Bob Irving joins us now live on the start. Hello there, Bob. Hey, I'm sort of live. Yeah, how are you guys doing? <laughs> <laughs> We were wondering, we were wondering, is Bob going to be able to, is Bob joining us this morning? We'll find out, I guess, eventually. So glad to hear your voice, Bob. Thanks for joining us. Uh, oh, my pleasure. So the first thing that uh, we're curious about is how on earth did this game go to overtime? Well, I think uh, most Bomber fans, Brett, had the same sort of uh, worried feeling early in the fourth quarter when uh, they were down 22 to 10. And it just looked like it was not going to be their day and that their miraculous, magical season was going to end on a down note. And then they got the wind in the fourth quarter. And, uh, you know, I've seen enough games. Uh, lots of people have to know that the way the wind was blowing, 
yesterday that uh, this was going to give the Bombers a chance. And the fact that the Bombers are pretty good and have a lot of character and all that good stuff was going to give them a chance too. And they started chipping away with a field goal. And then they got the touchdown from Dembski. And then they got the single on the kickoff, which will be debated in Hamilton. Uh, well, no, it's not that one. It's the next one. And then they got a field goal to go up by two. And the game had turned around completely. And I thought for sure when uh, the single was conceded by Hamilton to put them up 25-22, they were going to win because it was only a minute 50 left in the game. But the Tiger Cats drove the length of the field into the wind to tie the game and probably feel he should have won it because the pass was tipped away in the end zone at the last minute. Now, I'm explaining what everybody saw, but that's kind of what I, I'm i thinking as I look back on the game and how this all unfolded. Now we're going to go to overtime, which is fantastic, right? We're going to have this dramatic ending, and the Bombers have a great drive to score a touchdown, a two-point convert. And then they get that interception to end the game, which will be replayed for decades because that was such a unique play where it was tipped and then it almost hit the ground, and Winston Rose tips it up in the air, and Kyrie Wilson catches it in the Bomber bench, right in front of the Bomber bench, right in front of them. And the Bomber bench explodes, and it was uh, it was something. It really was. Bob, it was obviously baffling at different times to see how ineffective the Blue Bomber offense was at times. The Hamilton defense really gave that stellar Blue Bomber offensive line fits all game long. Uh, when it really mattered in the fourth quarter, they seemed to have figured it out. But, uh, you know, there were just so many things that went against the prescribed and the anticipated script. Yeah, that's so true, G-Mac. And those two interceptions that Calaris threw in the third quarter, and let's give Hamilton credit. They were an inspired football team that had grown tired all week of hearing how great the Bombers were. They were bound to avenge their loss two years ago, and they played. They really played an outstanding game. They were very well prepared. But those two picks that Kalaris threw in the third quarter, when he came off the field after the second one, I thought, man, this guy looks, he looks like he's just sort of disheveled, really. Uh, but in the fourth quarter, he was brilliant. And I don't know how his character is through the roof, right, how he could shake off the things that went wrong in that third quarter and come back and play the way he did in the fourth quarter in overtime is a testament to his grit and his fiber and all the rest of it as an athlete. So just an amazing performance by him. The offensive line, Greg, got a lot better in the fourth quarter, late in the third and fourth. They started giving him time uh, to do the things that he does. And the defense played well, except for that drive in the last two minutes. And you're, like I say, it looked like the game was won. You know, here's the bomber defense. They'll shut things down. Well, they couldn't. And give Hamilton credit. They, they, you know, they made some great plays to come back and tie the game. So, yeah, I think people expected it and thought it would be easier for the Bombers. But Hamilton was having none of that. They were going to make it as hard as it could be. And they, they, the way they played, uh, ter- it turned into just a terrific game. Now, Bobby referenced the uh, decision by the Tiger Cats to concede that rouge. Um, which followed the go-ahead Sergio Castillo field goal. We've had a few people asking us, like, what What were the Tiger Cats thinking? So I sort of have an idea, but uh, you know a little bit more about these things than I do. So can you just sort of explain like, maybe the pros and, and cons of such a decision? Well, so the Bobbers are up by two at that point, and I understand Orlando Steinauer was thinking, we, if we give up the single, we're down by three, we can still tie the game at least and go to overtime with a field goal, and we'll get the ball out at our 35-yard line. The thing is, the guy caught the kickoff about one yard in the end zone, and chances are he's going to return it you know, reasonably far, out to the 20, 25, maybe even to the 35-yard line. So 
you know, you have the ball in decent field position and you haven't given up the point. So I think it was a poor decision. I think it was a mistake. I don't know why they did that. I under, I mean, I understand what they were thinking, but I think it was a mistake. I think you return it and give yourself a chance to win the game with the field goal. And had they done that and had they driven the field the way they did, they had chip shot field goal, the game's over and they win. So I think Steinauer will be second-guessed on that one for an awfully long time. Let's fast forward to the overtime now. Bob, I'm going to say uh, ignore Darvin Adams. Can you complete the phrase? <laughs> At your peril. <laughs> At your peril. Yeah, yeah he was. Darvin Adams and his, his wild card factor potentially that he might play yesterday. And lo and behold, yeah. there he was in the end zone, a clutch catch, the biggest catch of his career. Yeah, it really was. And then, you know, Rasheed Bailey made some some great catches. Actually, Darvin made a catch. Greg, you'll recall, I can't remember the exact situation, but I don't know how he caught the ball. He was hit just as the ball got there, and he somehow held on to it. Uh, and that was a key play. But, yeah, he really came through. Um, Rasheed Bailey made some excellent catches. Wolitarski, we were talking about this after the game. The Bomber receivers never drop balls. I mean, they virtually never drop a pass. Uh, and they blocked like crazy. You know, we, we didn't mention Andrew Harris. He wound up with 80 yards rushing, and they were tough yards, but he had a couple of key runs in that uh, in that fourth quarter. So it was just one of those typical bomber team efforts. And there was a penalty, too, that, that Hamilton lineman Jordan Murray took, or a stupid roughing penalty where he just, when the play was over, he came up and knocked Winston Rose over. Instead of being in second and one, the Ticats are second and long, and, you know, they can't march down and do what they were hoping to do. So, you know, this is a game, especially in the fourth quarter in the overtime, where there's a million different things that happen that you could look at and say, well, if this hadn't happened, if that hadn't happened, and that, that's kind of the beauty of football. There's every play you can you can wonder about it and maybe second-guess it a little bit. But bottom line is the Bombers have a tremendous amount of character. They really do. To come back and win that game in a hostile environment, and Greg, that was a very hostile environment, wasn't it? The way they did is, is really impressive. Absolutely it was. Never mind the wind and the conditions. You know, for all that was made of the cold in Winnipeg a week ago yesterday, you know, that wind was cold. And, yeah. uh, of course, uh, the largest crowd ever at Tim Hortons Field, over 26,000. And for as many Blue Bomber fans as were there, I mean, it was uh, maybe a couple thousand Blue Bomber fans. So uh, they brought the noise, did the Tiger Cat fans, and... Man, oh man, uh, it was a gutty performance and, and, and something that seemed to hit the players particularly hard, Bob. They were very emotional last night. You know, in 2019, they were ecstatic. Last night, it really uh, felt as though it hit them in their core. Did you, did you sense that from what we were hearing from the players last night? Yeah, I did. And it's kind of like, you know, you're on the edge of a cliff, right? And you're afraid you're going to fall over when you're down 22 to 10. And you somehow miraculously come back from the edge of that cliff and, and your life is saved. And I think that's sort of the way they felt. Like it was almost, man, our season was almost ruined. This wonderful, magical mm -hmm. season was almost ruined. And yet we somehow found a way to salvage it. And that's what I think brought out that emotion. And all the unsung heroes, Jake Thomas had a great game. I saw him after, and I said, you should have been the Canadian of the game. He had four tackles and a sack. Steve Richardson had two sacks and, and four tackles. Kyrie Wilson, the linebacker, he was fantastic. And on and on we go. And I'm just so happy for 
Wade and Mike O'Shea and all those wonderful people involved with the football club. And believe me, they are. They're hardworking, caring people. And I was so happy to see them get the season and the way I think it should have ended for them. So, Bob, when do we, because uh, listeners are already starting to ask, uh, you know, when do we start to find out things like when are the Bombers come home? Uh, we'll, yeah. What sort of celebrations are we going to have? Uh, any idea when we might get some word on that? Well, I would think they put that out today. Wade Miller did tell me, and I said it on our postgame show last night, that there will be no parade because of COVID restrictions on Tuesday, but there is going to be a rally, a gathering at IG Field on Wednesday night. Now, I don't know if those plans have changed or not. He told me that a couple of days ago. I don't think they have. I expect that's what they're going to do, but uh, I I haven't talked to anybody this morning. I'll uh, send a couple of notes out and see what I can find out. Coach's show tonight, Bob, or no? Yes. Oh, yeah. Coach's show tonight. The last one. The last coach's show. Are you still going to pop on with us every Monday, Bob? Well, I'd love to. I'll have to uh, have my agent negotiate that with uh, the station. <laughs> oh, by the way, GMAX, my agent. <laughs> the answer is yes, Bob. We're in. Okay. Yeah, I'd love, I'd love to, to keep my finger in it a little bit. Sure. Bob Irving joining us live on 680 CJOB from Hamilton. When do you come back, Bob? Uh, I'm heading to the airport shortly, We're driving to Toronto to the airport, and I'll be back uh, mid-afternoon, I guess, and head to the station shortly after to do the coaches show, and then I'm going to sleep for a week. <laughs> Bob Irving joining us live on the start. Thank you so much, Bob. And uh, he answered a couple of things we were wondering about, Greg. Uh, I missed that last night in the coverage about the uh, the rally at IG Field, and I was wondering, are they going to do a parade? So that's good that we – this is why we talked to Bob. He brings the answers, GMAC. He's the true insider, Brett McGarry. Mackling and McGarry, McNabb is off today. I was off sick last week. I actually had a scheduled week of vacation this week. I've had some days to burn. I'm like, well, I usually, I'll just take this random week in December. And then, uh, Sorry to laugh, Brett. what's that? Why? I was chuckling there. I didn't mean to chuckle. Oh, well, how, how dare you show some joy and, and happiness in the form of laughter, Greg? May you. Well, I, you know, I'm, I'm la- the laughter is at your expense <laughs> of your, your holiday day today. I, I feel terrible. Oh, no. I, like I said, I was th- kind of thrilled. Uh, that I could, could come into work and actually do something productive because uh, Loren's out with laryngitis. So that is an undetermined amount of time. So she might be back tomorrow or you might be stuck with me again. Before we talk more football, we're asking you to text us about nail biters, nail biting situations like Mike says we were traveling to Europe. And that's a pretty common theme in all this, most of the stories we're getting, travel, uh, because it can be so stressful. Mike says we were traveling to Europe. We landed in Amsterdam, and we needed to take a train to Paris. We had seven minutes to catch it after customs. We ran, and we made it, except we ran up the wrong side of the tracks. And when oh, we realized man. what happened, we ran up the other side to see... The train moving out. We had to sleep in the train station for six hours on cardboard on the floor before the next train came. Uh, Mike, sorry about that, bud. 
Yeah, that stinks. That's no fun sleeping at an airport or at a train station uh, or maybe on the street outside a train station in Chicago for three hours. Not that I know anyone that's done that. (laughs) Keep those stories coming for a chance to win. The Canadians Winter Wonderland Car Pass will give it away in our next segment. But right now, GMAC, got to tell you... My social media feeds over the last few days would indicate that you were essentially a one-man wrecking machine, that you were dropping the hammer on the hammer, a.k.a. Hamilton, but you were not alone out there. I was not alone, and I appreciate the kind words, Brett. 680 CJOB's Skylar Peters was among our coverage team, and he was up late, shall we say early into the morning, putting together his thoughts and reflections on the 2021 Grey Cup. For kickoff of the 108th great three receivers to his right. That's where he goes. Ball's up for grabs, and it's picked off by the Bombers. Out into the flats. Got a man wide open. Brandon Banks to the end zone. Touchdown. Speedy B to the house. High caps. Back on top. This one from 10, and it is good. And the lead grows to 12. Sports can be a funny thing sometimes. For those who watched the Winnipeg Blue Bombers roll through a season with little in their way, now facing their biggest challenge of the season. Everyone with their hearts in their throats, except for the men on the field. Three receivers to the right, pressure up the middle, goes over the middle, he's got a completion. That's a touchdown. inside by Dembski, Nick Dembski, touchdown! Blue Bombers, Nick Dembski untouched to the end zone. Castillo from 45 on the left pass for the lead at the 108th breakup, and he's got it! Hammers it home just inside the left upright. Castillo kicks this away. That'll be taken just inside the end zone. And Tim White will take a knee. Domagala! No! He got it! Just inside the right upright. And it was kind of fitting. After we waited so long to see if the Winnipeg Blue Bombers could repeat, we'd have to wait a little longer. Polaris looks to the end zone, has a man, touchdown Winnipeg! Darvin Adams goes down and gets it! And Winnipeg strikes! Polaris waiting, has a man wide open and they got it for two! Mission accomplished, Rasheed Bailey goes and gets it! Turnover ends it. Second and 18 for Jeremiah Mazzoli. What has he got left up his sleeve? Pick. On the sideline, almost pick up. And it's now over. it is. It's over. It's over. Winnipeg wins it again. Back to back for the Bombers in a CFL overtime classic. Kyrie Wilson picks it off after a couple of bounces. The Winnipeg Blue Bombers couldn't lose, not this year. Even as the wins piled up, the team taking it a game at a time. That's me! 
I mean, we just insulated ourselves with our teammates on the sideline and said we have to do what we have to do. And we were going to find a way, and they found a way. We fought and fought. Like, it, it was special. I still don't know how we did it, but we did it. I'll just have to be Great Cup champs again. You're back-to-back Great Cup champions. It's coming back to Winnipeg. They knocked the door down eventually. Overtime win in Hamilton. Absolutely thrilling. Wonderful work, Skylar. Thank you for that retrospect on what was an incredible night at Tim Horton's Field. Hey, thanks for listening to the Start Podcast. We are available on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Subscribe now and never miss an episode. And if you like what you hear, rate the show, tell us what you think. And hey, even tell a friend about the podcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Greg is at GMACWPG. That's G-M-A-C-K-W-P-G. I am at Brett McGarry, B-R-E-T-T-M-E-G-A-R-R-Y. And Loren on Twitter is at McNab on Global. And on Instagram, at McNab on C-J-O-B. Talk soon. For most of us, crime is something we see on the news. We never think it could happen to us until it does. Loved ones are gone, and for the survivors, the scars will never heal. I'm Nancy Hickst, a senior crime reporter for Global News. And on this season of Crime Beat, I'll take you inside some of the most serious crime stories I've covered. Season six of Crime Beat is available now on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, and all podcast platforms.